It's another Sunday night, and tonight we're talking pride. All things queer in the world of comedy. Influences, inspirations, and of course, pride in the punchlines. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm a pretty boy, I'm stunning. Welcome back to another all new Inside Jokes baby right here on global news radio 640 toronto it is of course time again for another roundup it is the end of another month in comedy and it's june so we are of course talking all things pride it is pride month not just here in toronto at the mothership of inside jokes but all across canada and really worldwide so we're going to talk to a couple of our favorite queer identifying comics, who were their biggest influences, who impacted them coming up in comedy, and how much has the landscape changed since the days when there really weren't a lot of stand-ups on stage not too long ago talking openly about this material. We, of course, have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How you doing, bud? (laughs) Uh, I love it how Dean is coming to us on location. For those uh, following us on social media, Dean is... Wonderfully recording the show outside in beautiful Mississauga, I believe. In Streetsville? Tropical, yeah, exotic Streetsville, Ontario. I'm out in the burbs. So, you know, if we hear a bunch of construction noises in the background, let's just pretend it's part of the flavor of Pride Month and it's like a bit of a village people thing I got going on over here. Yeah, hey, uh, I love it. You know, there we go. I should, by the way, Vince, on tonight's episode, I am going to give constant shout outs. Uh, one of our absolute favorites of the show and also traditionally has joined us really every year for our annual pride panel elvira kurt our audiences you know her you love her uh one of our favorites always here for pride couldn't make it tonight so we're gonna keep giving elvira kurt shout outs because we were looking forward to having her on this panel but vince we do have a couple of returning friends of the show who haven't joined us since back in the good old studio days probably pride last year i would say um we have kyle Brownrig and brandon ash muhammad so we're gonna pick their brains about what's going on in comedy what the landscape is like in queer comedy and how much has changed. Cause a lot changes over the course of a year in the world of comedy, especially in a lot of sort of niche independent shows that have sprung up. Yeah. And throughout a pandemic, you know, <laughs> throughout a pandemic. I mean, we had, yeah, we had Elvira. We had a couple of other extra guests joining us today. Some folks couldn't make it. So that's okay. We're going to get into queer comedy with Brandon and Kyle. Uh, right here on Inside Jokes, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you see all the colors of the rainbow since 1967. How about that? We're going to come back with Kyle and Brandon and get into the pride, baby. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, coast to coast, Canada-wide, and in fact, planet Earth-wide on the Global News Radio Network, if you happen to have tay internets i really hope you do otherwise what have you been doing stuck in your basement for the last year and a half it is of course the end of another month in comedy that means another roundup panel and this month the end of june we're talking all things pride 
Once again, shout out to our dear friend, Elvira Kurt, who could not join us today. So we've shrunk down our pride panel a bit, but we have two absolute all-star old friends of the show who we haven't seen since the studio days. On the line right now, we have Brandon Mohammed. How are you doing, man? Hi, how are you? How is that? Like nice to see you. We haven't seen you in person in studio since no. 2019, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The last decade. The last, it feels like it. It really did. March. It literally was the last decade, technically. Yeah. It literally, actually, that's true. I never yeah. thought about that yeah. because I, for the last year and a half, kind of nothing matters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're brightening. We're not talking. We're brightening. We're talking. Right, we're done. We're, talk, we're done with that. We're done with that. This week is all about bright colors and warm rainbows. And rainbows. Rainbows. All and the rainbows. of course, another old friend of the show. And I know you both have been busy despite all the things that have happened in the industry and just in life this year. So we'll get into what you've been working on. But another old friend of the show. Again, it's been, as the kids say, a minute. Kyle Brownrigg, <laughs> how are you doing, sir? I am trying my best. That's how I'm doing, Dean. How are you, Dean? I'm good. This is what I was saying to you before we kicked off the show is that, you know, for our listeners at home, uh, we always do these on Zoom also for our social media, for Instagram and all that stuff. Our producer, Vince Tedesco, throws that up. But I'm looking at you right now, Kyle, and like many of our guests, both of you actually, like many of our guests this year, you just kind of look like nothing happened like you never panicked <laughs> like you were expecting like a castaway transformation what kind of situation yeah. an eye patch of some kind maybe <laughs> just, suggest, just suggest to the audience the time has passed right like a, right. a script note get milk from loblaws but yeah everybody i don't know our our guests are always like especially for comics one thing we've learned i've really been harping on this lately but honestly, one thing that this past year has really reaffirmed for us on Inside Jokes is, oh my gosh, just how resilient Canadian comics are. Because the best case scenario is like 8,000 people going after like five festivals. That's right. That's when our industry is in full swing. <laughs> and then for like a year and a half, it's been like, okay, now those things don't exist. So like make an album maybe. And still Canadian comics are on the show every week. Just like everything's fine. It's like that meme of with the dog in the burning house. <laughs> right. Canadian comics are just like, no, it's great. I don't, We're I, adaptable. I don't know. We're adaptable. You're we totally adaptable. We can switch it up. Honestly, because I think, I think that. I think it's because we're used to having to work with like a lot of lack of opportunities within yes, this country 100%. because there are so few spots yeah. that we are forced to be creative and you're forced to kind of figure out your own projects. Gotta so your that own doesn't surprise me. I think so too. And honestly, like one thing we've been saying a lot on this show lately, because I really do believe this, is if you look at this entire past year uh, and maybe actually queer identifying comics are, are pro probably the best example of this is we've seen this past year comics in Canada really having to create their own opportunities and find their own audience the gate it was the one time in that I can ever think of in Canadian comedy really where the gatekeepers were kind of gone you know because the festivals the yeah. networks were sort of slowed down so comics were just like well now the people that I'm normally begging for work are kind of on the sidelines not really able to do anything now I'm just gonna have to go get it myself and here we are, a year and a half later, comics have kind of figured that out. 
I, I feel like a lot of these virtual shows will like continue. I think there will be like an amalgamation in future where let's say there's like a live theater show, but let's say you have some anxiety problem and you would rather just spend yeah. money for like a live stream of the show and then they pay money for that. I feel like there will be an integration in the future because these Zoom shows from our living room, I mean, let's be honest, they're the worst. <laughs> they but are. do you know if there was like a live yeah. feed into like a venue performance... Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh-huh. You could you could basically make money from some person in like Manitoba, for example, if the show was in Toronto. So I think that it's an opportunity to mm-hmm. make even more money in the Canadian comedy industry. And I I feel like there will be an integration going forward when yeah, this pandemic I, is over. I think it's also opened the door for a lot of performers that haven't had the same opportunities as before. Like, um, I know there's some comics that I know that have disabilities and aren't a, weren't able to do a bunch of shows because they couldn't get into the venues. And now yeah. they're like doing all of these shows in America and all these fun virtual shows in America and getting known there. But also on this subject, it's also opened our working pool because before it was like we could only work in Canada and now like writers rooms in America are willing to hire us because like there's no visa stuff because we're working from home soon and I think that's been one cool thing about the pandemic that is true too I mean you know before all this stuff happened I mean that's a great point like especially here in Canada we had that problem a lot of the times where you know clubs in Canada would have an open spot on a weekend and instead of booking somebody from here it'd be like well let's get so and so from New York to just drive up and play for the yeah. week because they can come here, but we couldn't go there. That's why the whole, you know, comics union and cask and all that stuff was formed because mm-hmm. sort of that catch away too. A lot of that stuff really has sort of melted away during this. And I think it is, you know, we've been talking a lot lately, but I think it will be a hybrid where a lot of this online stuff just sort of is part of the package from now on. Even when things do reopen and live shows come back and festival season and all that, this stuff will still be there because it's as you said, Brandon, it's just like another audience stream. It's another way to reach out to people. It How, just makes financial sense to yeah, have it integrated. It makes financial sense. I mean, for both of you obviously have played sort of, you know, in the last few years in Toronto, we did see this sort of this new wave of like queer focused shows spring up at venues, uh-huh. independent shows that popped up. And for those shows, I think because you were playing to an audience that really wasn't coming out to shows before because they didn't see themselves reflected in what was being talked about on stage and who the comics were on stage. So a lot of those shows felt very cerebral and it was more like an event. You really mingled with the audience. You really engaged with them. It was very intimate. You stuck around with them afterwards. How different has that been for both of you now having this removed from audiences where you're doing streaming stuff from home, but you're not physically in that space with them? Oh, it's awful. It's absolutely (laughs) terrible. terrible. I I would be standing up because for me, it's like a, it's like a, like a muscle, like I have to be standing up and I'm talking to a computer screen and I'm being so loud. Like my neighbor can hear me. I can hear the dog barking and people, you hear like one person laughing, another person that's like in the chat uh, watching the Zoom show will not realize their mic is on and they'll be having a full-blown conversation with their husband or their wife. Yeah. And then you'll have to be like, um, Jennifer, could you just like bring it down a bit? And then you just, it, <laughs> and it's just chaos. And the whole point of standup is it's supposed to be a focus art. And whenever it's chaos and there's no focus, it's it's just not the same thing. It's almost like, you know, like it's like a it's like a diet cola version of stand-up comedy. It's it's simply it's just not the same thing. It really is, you know, yeah. I've always stand up yeah. you're asking a room full of people to be in their same spot 
for like 90 minutes and focus their attention on you and do something that doesn't necessarily naturally happen, which is laugh. And I think early on when all this stuff happened before comics sort of figured out how to work within these Mm -hmm. parameters, it very much had the feeling of just being that kid standing on a diving board at the pool going, mom and dad, look at me, mom and dad, look at me, you know, (laughs) like it really (laughs) felt like the art was sort of sucked out of it. And it was like, is this essential? There was a lot of self doubt there. And now we realize that, no, I think more so than anything, because of everything that's gone on, people really needed to be able to laugh. But anyways, Lots to get into tonight. Uh, We're going to come back with more of our Pride panel right here on Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi, my name is Elvira Kurt, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. It's the first time I haven't been interrupted. Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you see all the colors of the rainbow since 1967. We are talking pride. We have Brandon Muhammad and Kyle Brownrig on the line. Uh, and of course, shout out to our friend Elvira Kurt, who couldn't make it, which kind of ties into to what I wanted to, to ask you both next, which is... When you grew up and you knew that you were identifying as gay and when you were sort of what, whatever the timeline was of sort of wrestling with coming out and stuff like that, did either of you have really comics who influenced that side of yourself? Were there queer comics that you looked up to? Because, I mean, for me, I remember coming up in Canadian comedy, there was there really weren't a lot of people talking about that and doing that kind of material. Really, I mean, Elvira Kurt was one of them. Elvira Kurt was one of those people you always saw on TV in the 90s on, you know, Comedy Network and you sort of knew that she identified as gay and once in a while would talk about it. Scott Thompson, I think, is the most famous. I mean, he was always doing sketch material about that on kids. He was doing Buddy Cole. He was doing Steps, all that stuff. Other than that, though, there really weren't a lot of voices expressing that stuff. So for you, did did you have those influences when you were getting into it? Well, I think for, I think I can speak for all of us. As gay men, there were no, like, stand-ups there has not still has not been a gay male stand-up that has reached the level of someone like Rosie O'Donnell or Ellen so I know for me I never saw like I say a gay man but there was people like Kathy Griffin Margaret Cho um Sarah Silverman um those were people who I personally really looked up to and I remember when Wanda Sykes came out of the closet in 2008 that was like a really big moment for me because I was just like oh my god look a black queer person doing yeah. stand-up this might be this is possible for me to do something like that now because I had never seen anyone like me or anything like me but just to um, add on to what Brandon yeah. Muhammad is saying uh Brandon when you released your comedy album last year yeah you were the first black male gay comedian in Canada to ever do that, yeah, right? Uh-huh, yeah, 100%. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Brandon, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a crazy, I was the first like queer black person in Canada to ever release a, a comedy album, which is crazy. And it's crazy. just like, how long has comedy been happening in this country? And I'm really like the only one, I'm the only one that I've ever known that did stand up. Like there were some around the years and they've just gone. I know there's some in sketch, um, but it's just like this weird thing to to kind of like navigate now. And it's like, um, 
there's basically like 10 of us, 10 gay black male standups like are in the world. Like, I, and we oh all gosh. kind of like know of each other. Like I talk to um, Dwayne Perkins sometimes and he is a writer on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and all of this other stuff. And we just like had this conversation about how there are none of us and it's how we never saw ourselves reflected and it's where we always are like so supportive of each other's career because yeah. we're just like we know how hard it is to have even gotten one opportunity it's true and i mean you know comedy always sort of runs in tandem with what's happening politically and what's happening socially in the world yeah. and we're really i mean you even saying like having this album come out and being the first person to be able to actually do that speaks a lot to the fact that we're only just now sort of edging up to a place where queer comics yeah. and comics of color can talk about yeah. this stuff, do this material, but have it actually be broad reaching to a full yeah. wide audience. You know, the, the, the days of like the token, this and the token that yeah. like, this is our lesbian on the show. This is our Asian comic. Those are really were five minutes ago. I mean, if we go back to even, you know, let's say a decade ago in Canadian comedy where the sort of, alt boom was happening in comedy bar and bad dog and all these venues were springing up and you know you would watch like video on trial and you'd watch andrew johnston there was that we were still very much in the era of okay andrew is the gay comic on this show this yeah. person is the queer comic on this show we're really only sort of tiptoeing out of that right now yeah and, but uh, who else there was on video on trial? He was the Trevor other, Boris. Trevor, Trevor Boris. Boris as well, yeah. Yeah. I remember in high school seeing Trevor Boris on video on trial. And for me, this was so the way that I, Brandon, I don't know how old you are, but I describe my age as I missed the cutoff of when it was cool to be gay. Like I missed the Gaga years. I missed the Glee years. Yeah, like, I was the Gaga. Yeah. I was the Gaga Glee years. I was, yeah, I, I missed yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I grew up when it was still like uh, really stigma. Like it was just a lot of discrimination, a lot yeah. of insults, a lot of everybody was still using the F word. Like when I was in high school, like I remember I saw a Comedy Now special and it was um, Heidi Foss, who mm -hmm. is like my favorite Canadian comic. She's, um, mm -hmm. she's, she's, I remember when I saw her because she has this sort of Wendy Liebman set up punch misdirection style, which I enjoy in comedy. But she also has a very androgynous look to her. And I'm very drawn to those kinds of things. Like yeah. when somebody is very gender neutral, like I find that very attractive. I, I'm very drawn to that. So for me in high school to see something like that and to also hear her do the sort of like Wendy Lieben misdirection kind of style, that was kind of cool to me. And I just thought like, wow, like, you know, but this would have been in like 2006, 2005. Mm -hmm. And Mid for me- yeah stand-up comedy was not even on my mind. I would never have thought that I would be able to do stand-up comedy because like Brennan was saying, like there really wasn't any sort of like gay male stand-up yeah. um, or one that I particularly related to in any way um, that I never really saw myself. So for me, that was it was never on the table. It never occurred to me that I could do something like that. It is, I, I love what, the, what you pointed to too because we're probably not too, too far away in age i'm definitely older but doesn't matter uh, well anyone who's watching the zoom on instagram could be able to tell that anyways but I think it's the same for me because i grew you know in the 90s growing up and i grew up in rural northern canada not exactly the most you know progressive time and mm -hmm. time and place so i waited forever and then by the time i came out i was in my early 30s already and by the time i came out it was after the gaga era and after it became sort of it was just normal you were just like oh 
So I came okay. up thinking like I'm pacing around my backyard and I'm like, who do I phone next? And I'm like shaking. And I thought it was going to be this big event. And I have a list of all the people in my family to go through and phone and all that. And the re- it was so disappointing. It Everyone was so just like, keep it moving. Keep it moving. They were just like, <laughs> yeah. It was like I phoned them to say that I ran out of bread or something. Like it was such a non thing. I was like, wow, <laughs> I waited like 20 years for that. So it is. <laughs> you wanted the drama. That part is changing, but I mean, that pivots over to something else interesting that's happening right now that I think we're going to see overlapping comedy more. Oh, and by the way, Kyle, Heidi Foss, for our listeners who don't know her, Heidi Foss is such a sort of a mythological creature in Canadian comedy because she's totally a comics comic. Like she is this performer who, when she's on a bill, comics are like, oh my God, Heidi Foss is going to be here. But so many people out there listening to the show aren't, aren't necessarily aware of them. So, I mean great shout out there uh but i think you know we're also now in an era only very recently and only sort of at the the beginnings of it really i would say you know we've sort of we went through the whole we went through the 90s where it was like oh my god ellen came out on her sitcom and we were going through all those you know baby steps and all that stuff now we're sort of just really entering that now with trans people you know, that's we're really just sort of tiptoeing into the trans rights movement. And we're really only sort of starting to see that acceptance in popular culture. We're starting to see trans characters on television. We're starting to see more trans identifying comedians on stage. So how much do you both think that that's going to sort of start being reflected in comedy? Because, you know, we're like I said, we're really only a couple of years removed from comics being the token gay on any given show. And now it just being, yes, I'm queer. I also happen to just be a working comic. Are we going to start seeing more voices from the trans community, do you think, working in comedy? And more audiences coming out because of that? I, as a person who had, a, my best friend was trans and they were in comedy and they were quite popular. We don't need to name names. We all know whom I'm speaking of. Yeah, yeah. Um, was kind of having a bit of a moment in comedy and was like really like going in that upward trajectory. Um, I think that, in Canada at the moment, there's not really a lot of trans representation in Canadian comedy. Um, And uh, I think it, like you are kind of saying, it is kind of like maybe sort of baby steps a little bit because it's never gonna be like a direct path to um, like for progress, I mean, but um, I, I would say that like cis gay people are definitely way ahead of trans in terms yeah. of representation in comedy. Like, I mean, not just that, like, so uh, Laurel Hubbard on the New Zealand Olympic team, first trans person to ever do like the Olympics, that was yesterday. And there's already like huge pushback on that. So it's kind of just like baby steps. Um, yeah. There isn't really a lot of trans yeah. representation in in Canadian comedy, in comedy in general. In, yeah, the only like person I can think of on a mainstream level that's trans and is like doing something like big is like Patty Harrison, who's on um, Shrill. I don't know if you've seen Shrill, but right. she is very amazing, a very amazing comic. And she's the only person that I, like trans person that I've seen really like, really start to blow up. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's baby steps as Kyle was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, one of the, you know, everybody always talks about all the hack things in comedy, all the cliches of like tragedy plus time and 10,000 hours and blah, 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 all that tired old stuff. But I mean, one of the main ingredients in comedy is, is relatability. Audiences come out and they want to be able to see some part of themselves 
reflected on stage and they want to be able to identify with what the comic is talking about. And I think what we've seen really only in the recent last few years is exactly that. There's been sort of this, if you build it, they will come thing happening where there's more queer comics stepping out onto shows and more queer showcases. And, you know, the festivals have only really recently caught on and started creating those galas and really just finding out what independent shows were happening around the country that they should sort of latch onto. Networks have started in Canada producing more of this stuff. But as a result, you see audiences coming out that really weren't there before because they, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I mean, really in Canadian comedy, what did we all grow up with? We always, you know, for 20 plus years, we always grew up with the same sort of galas and the same handful yeah. of people. And, you know, it was always white guy, suit jacket, talking about Saskatchewan or whatever it was, <laughs> you know. Or was, my wife or my kids. Or my wife or, you know. So, I mean, for, you know, we have seen this huge wave really only in recent years of new audiences coming out because before it had nothing to do with them. And they yeah. would watch this stuff and go, well, I think there's also kind of been this assumption that as queer people, we don't have partners, we don't have families, we don't have kids. Right. And now people are like, oh, shit, like gay people have children, trans people have children. Oh, my God. Like, oh, and it's also because we are now allowed to adopt and allowed to do all these things. And that is part of this progress as well. It is so nice to see like these new audiences. Yeah. It is so nice to see people coming out and actually being like, yeah. I because when I was younger, I I didn't care for Jerry Seinfeld. I didn't care for Louis C.K. I didn't care for any of those guys because that's not my voice. Like that is not my experience yeah. as a human being. Mm -hmm. So I'm not represented in stand up. But now that we have more uh, diversity on stage and we have more representation, we're seeing different audiences okay. and we're seeing different reactions and people that say that like, oh, it's ruining stand up comedy. It's like maybe for you, but it's great for us. So you can yeah. just go find your own voice and your own other comedian and just enjoy that and stop complaining about people that are different from the comedy that you enjoy. I think that's so true. And I mean, we'll jump to, to break here, but a great point that Brandon sort of jumped into there is, yeah, you know, before there was always this expectation, if there was a queer comic on a show, they had to be this sort of archetype, this cartoonish, mm -hmm. you know, complete mm -hmm. sort of stereotype of what the audience had in their brain. But now it's like, well, no, you can watch Wanda Sykes go on stage and just do material about, yeah, well, my wife had a baby and here's what that was like, the same as you would a male comic. It's like these, yeah. This is a comic who happens to be queer, but also has a life and they're just going to do material. And there's no reason why this person can't relate to that the same way as that person. There's We don't have to be this sort of hyped up cartoon yeah. ourselves anymore. Uh, anyways, we're going to come back with more of our Pride panel, more of our June Roundup right here on Inside Jokes. This is Kyle Brownrigg, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967, even though those haven't been a thing for a year and a half. It's just been online trolls. We are talking all things pride, all things queer comedy with Brandon Muhammad and Kyle Brownrigg. Uh, something we sort of touched on before the break is, you know, how there was always this sort of ex audience expectation and, and I guess really booker expectation for queer identifying comics 
if booked on a certain show, you had to sort of be this like walking stereotype and this sort of cartoonish version of yourself. And really, I mean, as Brandon mentioned before the break, we've only really recently in the last couple of years sort of seen this shift where queer comics like every other comic are just comics. So, you know, you might be talking about dating or your sex life, or you might be talking about something that happened to you at a gas station. Like it really doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't always have to be about that thing. So, I mean, for both of you, I, th I mean, every comic when they step on stage is, of course, an exaggerated version of themselves. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're sort of an alternate filtered version of themselves that they step into when they do that. For you both, I mean, as, as queer comics, how, how, how different is the onstage you versus the real life you? I mean, I know this, obviously, I've known, but for our audience, I mean, how, how much of a different sort of character is that when you go on stage? I think that a lot of people would be surprised to find out that offstage, um, I'm not that venomous. I'm not that <laughs> confident. I'm not that, when I'm on stage, it's like an empowered character where I could just confidently say whatever I could and I just don't care because I have a really bad anxiety problem. Like I describe my mental health as like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan in my head all the time. But then when I hit that microphone, I don't overthink things. I just say things directly and, and, and whatever. But then when I'm off stage, I'm just a puddle of anxiety. I'm a really yeah. boring person. I never leave my apartment so I think that a lot of people would be very surprised to see like who I am off stage versus who I am on stage I would say it's a much more exaggerated confident venomous version of my actual self yeah for me people think I'm very like lively and like I guess flamboyant and boisterous but I'm very shy like I'm very 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 shy and people always think that I don't like them or like whatever but I'm just very awkward and people don't know that because when they see me on stage they see this like happy jovial little like cherub boy but no I'm just shy I'm Which, awkward I mean isn't it interesting too? I mean, I'm sure you've both heard it a, a billion times. It's like basically Canadian comics always hear three things, regardless of where you're performing. It's always, do you know Russell Peters? Yes. <laughs> I have yeah, a actually, friend, yes, I do. Right? He's my and, cousin. Yeah. And everybody either has a friend or an uncle who's really funny at kitchen parties and should do this. And as I always say, no, no, they should not. But the third <laughs> thing is always, oh my God, that's so scary. I could never do that. And isn't it funny? I mean, you both hit on this just now. It's so funny that you know, actual working comics, comics like yourselves who do this for a living and really probably couldn't picture yourselves doing really anything else. It's so funny that that is literally where you are the most comfortable. You could be so sort of removed or awkward or anxious or shy in, in like, you know, a house party setting or a social setting or waiting in line at the store. But for some reason, when you get on stage and that light is on and that mic is on and the audience is full, that's when you're comfortable and content. I mean, that's such a strange. Well, yeah, because we're broken. We're broken people. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I also think it's because, like, psychologically, stand up comedians, like, legit stand up comedians, we like take the back seat and observe the people and like we watch the show of the people. And then when we go up on stage, we just talk about what we saw, like, our life yeah. experience. Like, I can't even, I have such a, I hate, like, people are like, I could never go on stage. I could never do what you do. You know what I can't do? I literally have the hardest time doing, like, errands or groceries. I have so much anxiety. Like, I'm borderline agoraphobic. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I seriously, like, I cannot, like, going into the grocery store and coming home is, like, good for you, Kyle. Like, good for you. Like, it's a big deal for me. But then going up on stage in front of, like, a thousand people, I'm like, whatever. 
I have a really bad thing where I can't I can't be in a lineup. Like I've gone to places, ordered food, paid for the food, like at like a baseball game or something, and but there's a lineup, so I'll just like leave. I've already paid for the stuff, but I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> or like customs. I came back from the states one time, and I was going through customs, and I'm like, I, can't. I was like trying to leave customs, which they'll put you in jail. You they really don't like if if you do that. But it is interesting how you're able to sort of switch into that mode where you're just like, ah, this is where I'm comfortable. Do either of you find? And I mean. You know, we kind of touched on this earlier because I would say, not that it's ever easy and we don't know anybody's background or circumstances, but I think I would imagine right now for this generation, it certainly is easier for people who are wrestling with coming out to, to make that move and come out. We don't know what anybody's families and friends are like, of course, but just in general, society-wise, we've moved forward a bit. But do you ever, as, as queer comics, do you ever sort of feel... I wouldn't say pressure, but some sort of in the back of your head responsibility to like have some a nugget of a message in your material. Like maybe I'll reach out to somebody who's wrestling with this stuff just the same way that some performer or some movie or some actor did for me. Do you ever do you feel like that has to be somehow ingrained into what you're doing? For me, um, because again, I did not ever see myself reflected. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that my material had some sort of thing that spoke to my experiences as like my different ethnicities, as my race, as my sexuality, because nobody, I didn't get that. So I remember there was this guy like messaged me and he was like, it was so cool to hear your album. He's like, I'm also gay. I'm also biracial. I'm also Caribbean. And it was so cool to hear that hear somebody speak to that because I've never heard that before so that's that that's why I feel like I like doing that I mean for me it's probably a quick no uh, <laughs> because I uh, I find that my jokes are a lot of misdirections and just kind of very very silly I find that the rhythm of my comedy if I were to break it off and just be like you're a shining star like I it's not really like my kind of energy. I would also, but I would sort of hope that maybe somebody would just sort of see like, he's a gay person and yeah. he's confident and yeah. he is having a good time. Yeah. Um, but if your um, comedy does have messages in it uh, that are uplifting and empowering, and okay. as Brennan Ash Muhammad is saying, for communities that are extremely underrepresented yeah. in comedy, then I feel like that's kind of important. I'm a white guy, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I would say there's like a, a like a in your face message. It's just like I'm just saying like my experience, just so yeah. people can hear it. Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect. That's as good a point of, as any to go to break. That's perfect. We're gonna come back with more of our Pride panel, wrap up, find out what Kyle and Brandon have been working on during this let's say different a bit of a different year it's been a bit of a different year in comedy there's been a slight there's been a slight pandemic going on but we are reaching the tail end of it so hopefully we're going to get back into festival season sooner rather than later we're going to come back with more pride panel right here on inside jokes hey this is lorena pages and you're listening to inside jokes and honestly i love it and thank you for having me in it <laughs> Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, streaming 
planet Earthwide on the Global News Radio Network, because this past year we are nothing if not one community. Which, by the way, <laughs> which, by the way, Kyle and Brandon, our Pride panel this month. Did you notice? I mean, I really saw. Not to get sort of too precious about this, but we really did see this past year. You know, there's normally so much sort of ego and competition in comedy, especially in Canada, because we're all just sort of a pile of stray dogs going after one plate of scraps, if you will. But this past year in comedy, because of all this stuff, we really did see a lot of that sort of, we, we sort of stepped aside from that. There was sort of this togetherness and comics. I feel like in this country kind of became fans of comedy again and became fans of each other's work mm-hmm. because we weren't as busy, just constantly hustling and grinding and going after the same pool of things. I mean, I personally was not paying attention to uh, comedy at all because I figured if there were no live shows, I actually started creating um, different content that was not necessarily comedy related. And um, I started watching, I have rewatched so many series. I mean, maybe the reason why there was less competition is because there were like less shows and like less opportunities and people were like, "Eh." so maybe that's why I wouldn't be surprised if when the world does go back to normal, we'll go right back to being vicious and competitive. And I hate you and all all that. I wouldn't be surprised if that came back. Well, and I mean, comedy is such, you know, it's interesting. You talk to comics, the sort of the longer and more established comics have been at this it takes a lot more time for people to sort of figure out the work-life balance because comedy is such a strange thing to do with your life. It's hard to have that separation. It's such a lifestyle job because in order to survive, you have to constantly be going after the next thing. You could do the biggest, you know, you could do a JFL gala right now. Five minutes later, that's just another thing in brackets in your bio and you have to be worried about the next thing. So there's that lifestyle. It's also tied in with the fact that you always travel, you always work at night, you spend your waking life in clubs and bars and going to places you might not normally be with people you might not normally be with. So I think there was this forced thing that happened this past year where comics all of a sudden had no choice, but to step back and go like, Oh, right. I have friends who I went to college with and a family that loves me. I forgot about all this stuff. So for you both, I mean, do you think this sort of forced pause and this forced reset, is it going to change the way you tackle this? next or is it gonna yes be- yes for me a hundred percent i was doing comedy in a way that was unsustainable and i would get there was multiple times where i would get so sick i would lose like an essential bodily thing so like one time i completely lost my voice and then right before the pandemic i was completely burnt out and i lost the ability to hear and smell and taste and it was just like i had gotten so sick from like traveling all the time and doing whatever and so yeah when i come back i'm doing comedy in, in a much more like i don't know holistic way a way that does not exhaust me i love holistic i mean i'm picturing holistic like crystals comedy. and crystals, like yeah. very witchy i'm like yeah, i'm into that's it that's what the crimson wave basically is okay yeah exactly yeah. i was we're all thinking natalie norman i think we're all mm. thinking it. that's what i'm saying yeah yeah it is pride month so we did manage to end it off on like a nice positive tiny <laughs> note uh once again i will give a shout out to elvira kurt traditionally joins us every single year for this panel Elvira could not make it but you know She's here in spirit. We'll have her on soon. Uh, Kyle, we'll go to you first. Where can people find you online? What have you been working on? Where can people find all things Kyle Brownrigg? So there's two things. This uh, next Thursday, June 24th at the Toronto Music Garden, we're doing a live 
a pride comedy show. It's free. I think there might be a donation bucket, but that's your choice, Karma. And it'll be at <laughs> 9 p.m. June 24th, Toronto Music Garden. And the other thing is I have a podcast that went to number one in Mongolia. So no yes, autographs. Mongolia. Uh, no, so no autographs. Come on, Mongolia. Um, I barely got in here with the paps outside. No, but uh, it's called Best Actress. And what it is, is it's like we go over old Oscar years. We talk about the winner, the nominated movies next to it. We watch all of them. And then at the end, we pick who we think should have won. And uh, it comes out every two weeks. It's called Best Actress, wherever you listen to podcasts. So that's it. There we go. See, I knew Kyle Brownrigg has been keeping busy. I knew it. Brandon Ash Mohammed, where can we find all things Brandon? Okay, you can find me at Brandon AM Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. You can buy my album Capricornication wherever you want to buy <laughs> your wherever. Um, uh, what else do, you, do I have? What else do I have? Okay, um, I am going to be doing shit on 22 Minutes in September. So, so check that out. Check that out. Um, what else? What else did I want to say? Okay, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, listen, from both of you, that is plenty vince and i are like we do this for an oh, wait wait let me promote my podcast my podcast okay i do a podcast with my friend andrew johnson called sitting up in our room and we basically take a random subject and we break it down for y'all and it's really good and it's really amazing and you guys should listen to it there we go beautiful kyle and brandon thank you so much see we managed to have a wonderful pride panel despite did the it. pandemic and just a bunch of gay dudes missing <laughs> it's all, yeah, just a, a trio of gay dudes and vince going i don't know what they're talking about that's yeah. been our show <laughs> hey. i don't know what they're talking about but i support it that's vince, vince learns a little bit yeah. more yeah. every week and you know i what? learn a little every week as do i as do i uh that is our show don't forget you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the dawn of time on global news online we will be back next week hi this is alicia carusi and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Brandon Ash Muhammad. Growing up queer in a West Indian family is very interesting. Um, I remember when I was coming out to my family, I sat everyone down and I was like, guys, I have to tell you something. And they're like, what is it, Brandon? And I was like, I can't tell you. And then I ran away. Um, <laughs> and I did that five times that day. Finally, my mother was like, okay, Brandon, you're either going to tell us you're gay or you're pregnant. <laughs> and my grandmother was just like, he looks like both. <laughs> Being black and gay is such an interesting experience because you're just always so uh, talented. Uh, <laughs> Like, think of every gay black person you know. At minimum, they can do the splits. 